This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Your best insight into Utah Jazz basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome everybody into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. I'm your host, Andy Larson, managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com. Uh, Angie Treasure joins Hello. me. Um, she's going to be our, she is, has been doing recaps for Salt City Hoops, um, game recaps. And we'll be continually, continuing to do those as the season progresses. Uh, and, you know, hopefully more and more of them moving forward. It is Zach Harper's birthday today, mm-hmm. so he requested the day off to go do birthday things. He didn't tell me what he was doing for his birthday. So what what, what do you think Zach is doing on, on his birthday? Well, he has a hot girlfriend, so I'm sure they're going out and having fun somewhere. <laughs> that's that's it. That's why I wasn't invited? That, that's uh, 100% why you weren't invited. I think he wanted <sighs> he wanted some adult man time. I mean, we'll we'll allow it. Yeah, I, I suppose we'll allow it. Um, <laughs> happy birthday, Zach! Happy birthday, Zach! We're yeah, glad to have I don't you know in Salt how Lake. old you are, but we're yeah, we're happy to have you here. We're happy to have you on the show. Um, we're happy to have Angie on the show today. Sure. We, I mean, you're you're a Twitter celebrity oh, in hardly. Salt Lake City. Hardly, but I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm a poor replacement for at Talk Hoops, but um, I'm a stopgap. I'll work. I can fill some dead air. On <laughs> which I appreciate. Uh, at you are at snark underscore tank on Twitter. I am. I am at Andy B Larson. This is a social show, so please feel free to reach out to us during the show, and uh, you know, let us know what you think about what we're talking about. Ask us questions. You can also call us at any time if you'd like. Um, even though it feels old school at times to call, you're still welcome to. You never know what you're going to get, though. That's that's the fun of it. If a phone call comes in. We know what you're dealing with when a tweet comes in. We, we, you want to be kept on your toes by a phone call, right? See, I, I've always wanted to do the angry, like, yell at a, at a caller sort of thing, right? Yeah. For them being stupid. You have to use the phrase, let me finish. Let me finish. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. Let me finish. Yeah. Um, That's the dream. <laughs> you have something to aspire to now. Yeah, so uh, I mean, if you if you guys want to go out and share your silly opinions, you can call us eight seven seven three zero seven hundred eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred. We've got two guests on the coming on the show today too. We've got Buddy Grizzard from Hawks Hoop. They're the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Atlanta Hawks, kind of the the Salt City Hoops uh, counterpart down there in Atlanta. We're going to be talking to him about the possibility of trading for Jeff Teague. He's been a, a big uh, topic of, of jazz trade rumors this week ever since Zach Lowe published his article on Tuesday kind of floating that possibility. Um, it does sound like the Hawks legitimately are shopping for a trade partner with Jeff Teague. So we'll be uh, we'll be talking to to Buddy about that possibility. Maybe even trade negotiating, if you will. We'll sure. represent the Jazz, he'll represent the Hawks and we'll see if we can come to a deal about upgrading the Jazz's point guard position. We'll also have Jody Genesee from the Deseret News join us in the 8 o'clock hour uh, talking about uh, everything around the team, what, whether or not the Jazz will be uh, making a trade come the trade deadline, which, by the way, is less than a month away. Yeah. And uh, we'll also talk about our trip to New York together, which is why I wasn't on the show last week, because mm-hmm. we were you know, in New York covering the team. 
So a, a fun show today. I'm excited. Let's get into some of this trade talk stuff, though, because it is what uh, has been the big topic of conversation for everyone in in Jazzland, I think, for the last week. And in particular, I think we all see that the Jazz need to upgrade on the point guard slot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Howell Neto went scoreless, made zero shots last night. Um, those are two ways of saying the same thing. Uh, <laughs> he did not score any points, nor did any basketballs go into the basket. No. Um, <laughs> Trey Burke did score points in his uh, third quarter. Shooting was nice, yeah. but he still finished four for ten for the game. Uh, and Three of his baskets were threes, too, his, weren't they? Right, Catch yeah, so that, very nice. Right, um, right. But ultimately doesn't bring it on the defensive end probably enough for the Jazz to play the kind of defense that they want. You know, mm-hmm. that's something that we've learned a lot is that there's a very big drop-off in the point guard defense position from right. Trey Burke, or from Dante Axum to Trey Burke. And it's interesting, too, that Quinn has gone to the three-wing lineup, even, even mm-hmm. with Alec out. That That goes to show me a little bit that he needs. He's feeling like he needs to fill that uh, deficiency with our point guard play. He, he's still playing the wing lineup despite losing our important wing member. Right. Yeah. I mean that you played that he played the uh, entire fourth quarter of Monday's game without a point guard, mm-hmm. despite having only one healthy point guard. <laughs> you know, having right. Trey Burke and and having to play Chris Johnson and Joe Ingles at the wing. Those are D-League kind of replacement-level mm-hmm. guys, major minutes as a result. Shows, I think, how little he trusts Trey Burke right. and, and, to a lesser extent, Howell Neto at this point. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, given that, I mean, the obvious thing is, and, you know, it's not like this is the first time we've talked about upgrading the Jazz's point guard spot. No. But this is, uh, you know, we're starting to get into trade season with legitimate trade rumors about teams shopping those point guards, mm-hmm. I think, is a big difference. Yeah, I agree. And, and it seems like there's a few guys who may be available um, that makes sense for the Jazz. Who do you like? Yeah, well, let's let's talk about Jeff Teague first. Yeah. Because um, I, I brought him up already. I don't want to, like, foreshadow anything more. Sure, yeah. um, so uh, Jeff Teague is available because of him and because of the rise of Dennis Schroeder, really, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of struggling. It, it's kind of an open question, actually, how good Jeff Teague is right now. Uh, He was an all-star point guard last year, Mm -hmm. Um, was one of the four Atlanta Hawks who made the all-star team last year, the the record Mm -hmm. for a number of players on the same team to make an all-star roster. Um, But this year, he's been a little bit worse. He's uh, not making as many of his layups. He's clearly not an all-star, and we'll talk about the all-stars later on in the show, but he was uh, not named amongst them, and it wasn't especially close. Uh, He's down to 28 minutes per game. He says that his... uh, Little downturn this season has been partially due to left ankle issues. Mm-hmm. He's had a couple of different sprains and rolls of that ankle, which yeah. seem to hurt his movement. And and so there's a question of, you know, yes, Jeff Teague would be an upgrade, but how much of an upgrade? Yeah, I, I think for the Jazz, it's a significant upgrade. I don't think that's up for discussion yeah, when no, we're that, getting literally. But when you're trying to decide how much you're willing to trade for him, Sure. That's I think an that's important fair. consideration. Right. Um, and the Hawks are being outscored with Teague right now on the floor. When Teague is out there on the floor, they're being outscored by two and a half points per 100 possessions. That's pretty significant. So they're actually not a good team with their starting point guard out on the floor. That's a little bit worrying. That is, especially for a team. I think 
not a ton of pressure on Atlanta this year, but when they performed so well and were historically, I mean, they went on that. Did they have a, was it January where they didn't lose or was it December? Uh, I believe it was January. Yeah. I mean, just that remarkable run, like you mentioned, having four all-star players in at once and just that total team ball mentality. And then this year, I mean, they've still been really good, but they're below Cleveland. They don't seem threatening in a playoff series. So I think, um... Atlanta has to look at what the next step is. So, um, but I, I, you know, clearly an upgrade over over Trey Burke and, oh, and eas- Howell Neto. Easily. You know, he's he's still. I think it's fair to say an above average starting point guard in the, in the league. He's above average by PER. He's, he has a sixteen and a half PER. Uh, does would pass it far better than any Jazz point guard right now. Uh, average seven assists per game last season. Five five and a half this season. Right now, the Jazz point guards are not averaging that, even <laughs> if you add their totals together. Yeah. Uh, and, and then it's just a far better shooter than either of the Jazz's point guards as well. And, and gets to the line more often. I mean, a whole... All around. Uh, yeah. I think... Uh, is there a category in which Jeff Teague is not better than, like, the Jazz point guards? A- well, anything? if we talk about Howell Neto's eyes, but I don't <laughs> think that's a metric we can discuss. Howell Neto is more beautiful than Jeff Teague. Yeah. I stood pretty close to him today, and I was a little... Well, were you were you startling. flabbergasted? Were you what's what's the nicest way you can put it while also being on Utah Talk Radio? Uh I don't know. I have to, I might have to pass on that. But <laughs> no, he he's a beautiful man, especially up close. I mean, it's evident no matter what. But but nothing to answer the question professionally. N- Jeff Teague Jeff is Teague better is better in everything. In every possible way. Yes. So and this is why I'm excited to talk about Buddy and then talk with Buddy in the next segment is what can the Jazz give up for him? I get the sense talking to the front office that they're still in this mode of we don't want to give up long-term assets for short-term future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jeff Teague is a guy who only has this year and next year left on his contract. Right. So he could walk at the end of in the summer of 2017. Right. That's probably before the Jazz's contention window, right? They're not mm-hmm. going to be, they're not going to win a championship next year. I think right. it's fair to say. Right. Uh, so, how much long-term stuffs do you want to give up for this short-term improvement that would admittedly make you like five wins better this season and five wins better next season? Right. I think the Jazz probably have pieces that they're willing to move, regard or more willing to move. Regardless, um, Alec Burks makes sense to move at this point because of how good Rodney Hood's become. I'm sure Atlanta would like to have a Rodney Hood on their team. I think that's when the price becomes too high. But you but you would trade Alec Burks for I would. Jeff Teague. So, like, yeah. as we prepare to enter in the, into negotiations with Buddy next sure. segment, yeah. what we got to figure out is what we're willing to offer, right? right? right like, we've got to be secretive. Uh, so yeah. you, you are willing to offer Alec Burks. But to me, he's, like, the last thing... He might be the last one on the tipping point, you know. Like he would be the last. I think that's thing what it will take to be real, real, being realistic. I mean, it's so funny when we do trades and whoever your team is, you're like, well, I'll give you the this bag of Skittles. Yeah, and um, <laughs> we'll give you Trey Burke and Tibor Plyce. Some, some old Western Conference final <laughs> T-shirts <laughs> for. Those T-shirts are worth a lot now. Andrew Bynum. <laughs> they are worth like you know forty bucks. Those are essentially vintage. You could sell those on Etsy. I like how you did. You just use Andrew Bynum as like an example of a good trade target. <laughs> well, acquisition? I think that's what Skittles and old T-shirts might get you. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, we just traded for Andrew Bynum. No, I'd keep I don't those know T-shirts. Do that. Those theoretical. Yeah. Okay. So keeping keeping the T-shirts, but willing to trade Alec Burks. 
Yes. See, so that's the thing with Alec Burks, right? Like, the, there's still this big question on whether or not Alec Burks actually helps you win. Mm-hmm. Uh in particular, his defense isn't there. His his off-ball defense isn't there. And his game is not like a system sort of game, right? Like, he's he's right. very, very good at driving to the hole and finishing. I see how he'd be tricky to play with as a teammate. You don't always know what decision he's going to make. You don't know if he's going to drive and kick. He's kind of a ball stopper at times. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know. Is... Which is doing okay in the second unit or when right. he was. Right, in the second unit, that's great. In the first unit, it's. It's. It's actively harmful to Gordon Hayward Agreed. and Derek Favors and whoever. Having Rodney Hood Rodney, yeah. replace him has been a remarkable upgrade, I think. So more the more so than I anticipated. Yeah. I thought it would be sixes. Hmm, but but it, I don't think it is. I think yeah, Rodney's no, I mean, clearly is a better player in in his second year. Right. So <laughs> that makes Alec a little expendable. But then, okay, so now you've got, and I'm just going with you here, but you've also got Gordon Hayward you? who might leave at the end of summer of 2017, right? Like yeah. his his window is in the same spot. So it, Alec Burks kind of acts as Hayward insurance, I guess. That I mean, that's yeah. the way it's been kind of sold to me, and I, I don't I don't know if I buy that. No, I think if if you're considering Alec Burks or Gordon Hayward insurance, you're gonna you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. I don't yeah, think he just it's... doesn't do the same. No, he's not the same facilitator. Second, yeah. He's not the same uh, option offensively. He doesn't put out this same focus defensively. I, I mean, I think he's a six man. I do. Yeah. I and that by nature is expendable. Right. No, I I think that's fair. It's you know for a starting point guard. Um, so would you do the the Zach Lowe suggested Trey Burke and Alec Burks for Jeff Teague? Yes. Okay. A hundred percent. Okay, and we'll, so we'll see if Buddy is will do that too. Yeah, I I I, I want to start off slow though. I want to hold off. I want to start with like, like we got this Trey German Burke. guy. He's in yeah. Boise now, <laughs> but we can get him back. I want to start with like Trey Burke, uh, Jeff Withy. Jeff Withy, Trevor Booker, and the Oklahoma City first. Okay, and see see what Buddy says. Make him say no to us first. Do you right? want to try to get something else other than Jeff Teague? I mean, the rumor is that Splitter may be right. up for a move. So Tiago Splitter, uh, you know, is it, uh, making a lot of money. Maybe the, the Hawks would be willing to trade him in such a deal in order to lose that money off their off their roster. Uh, and I think Splitter's a nice player. I think he'd fit in Utah actually quite well. And that was a Dennis Lindsay draft pick, was he not? Oh, that's a good point. Dennis um, Lindsay... So Quinn probably is and Quinn it. Snyder coached Jeff Teague in Atlanta. Like more there are real things more here. Brazil, more Howell <laughs> <laughs> will have a friend. Yeah, I mean he's got friends, but yes. we could have. Yeah, he and Rudy are pretty buddy buddy. No, There's I, the beard thing. Um, but then we'd have two Brazilians, two Aussies, getting all kinds of international. Why doesn't Rudy have a friend? We could get. I I take Boris Dia. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> tell him to bring his cappuccino maker. Over to Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell him about the liquor laws. <laughs> and then we'll and he'll just, be fine. It'll be two no, by two, like Noah's Ark. <laughs> if Boris Diaw comes to Utah, we're definitely getting fat Boris Diaw. Oh, for sure. Like, we're getting the fat slow on the doesn't oh, care. Oh, for sure. But he would be so much fun. Tell me that would not be <laughs> so much fun. It would be fun off the court. On the court, he'd just, you know, be, he'd be fat Boris Diaw. I don't know. You don't like, think Quinn be, could, uh, could motivate him? I don't, I don't think so. He'd be, no, I agree with you. <laughs> if he left San Antonio, he'd be, uh. He'd be done. Yeah. Um, we'll oh, pick another Frenchman. Uh, like Fournier or something. something. Yeah, Fournier. 
Um, Don't Google. No, Joffrey Laverne. We talked about oh, Joffrey yes, Laverne yes, two yes. weeks ago. That That's how so this much is sense. happening. Okay. Joffrey, Joffrey Laverne is, is going to be our uh, second Frenchman to pair with Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so uh, I, I think that makes some sense. You know, if you do, like, Trey Burke, uh, Alec Burks, and Trevor Booker for Teague and Splitter, like, mm-hmm. we, can, we can talk to Buddy about this. Yeah. Okay. The other possibility, um, there are a couple other possibilities raised by Zach Lowe in his article on ESPN.com. There's uh, DJ Augustine and Mo or Mo Williams, kind of these backup caliber players who aren't really playing right now for their respective teams, but may still be the best point guard option on the Jazz. Mm-hmm. My opinion of that is essentially black. Yeah, no. Um, Neither of those sound like a good idea to me. DJ Augustine was the third worst point guard defender in the league last year by defensive RPM, mm-hmm. the real plus minus metric that ESPN uses and, and I like a lot to, to measure defense. He's small. He's short. He can't He feels like Trey again. Yeah. Another Trey Burke. Yeah. So we have one of those. Right. Um, and Mo Williams, I am completely comfortable having lived out the Mo Williams experience twice. You don't need round three, you're telling me? I don't need round me? three. Like, right. I, I, Molo was fun in its time. Molo giveth and Molo taketh away. <laughs> Molo taketh quite frequently. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't think that was correct, but I know what you meant. <laughs> that's, that's how it's pronounced in yeah. the Molo legend. And he's fallen out of rotation and... And right. Cleveland and I Yeah, Matthew Delavadova is playing over him. Correct. And there's a reason Mo has bounced around so much. You know? It, yeah. It's it's his value is fleeting. He's he's fun for when you get what was it, fifty four points out of him in Minnesota and then you ship him off to be a hornet and then he gets traded to Cleveland. Like he just it it's it's not a long term resolution. I mean I would I would not be down for Molo round three. Uh, agreed. Um, so let's let's even though Zach Lowe, who is brilliant, rose those ideas, we are going to outright. We're going to say them. Zach Lowe, we are smarter than you are. Yeah, <laughs> those are not viable. Those are those are bad ideas. <laughs> uh, then there's there kind of the middle, the you know in between. Non all star players, but kind of starter level point guards, Drew Holiday and Darren Collison. Drew Holiday of the New Orleans Pelicans um, was a good player, uh, still has significant injury worries, um, but, you know, in an ideal world, can shoot, can defend, can facilitate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Would definitely be the best point guard on the Jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of whether or not he can stay healthy and whether or not, you know, his contract is not long enough for him to be a, necessarily a long term piece for the Jazz. Sure. Um, do you like Drew, first of all, before uh, we go on to Collison? I think the health stuff concerns me yeah. more than a little bit. And I'll tell you what, it concerns the Jazz. Sure. That's, you know, when I ever, whenever I bring that up with, with Jazz people, they're like, yeah, but he hasn't played. He's played like 40 games in the last right. three seasons. He's attainable. I think if we That's wanted... That's why he's attainable, right, right? If we wanted him, you know, the team wanted him, they could have gone out and gotten him. But you probably, yeah, yeah. You may. I mean, I don't know how much New Orleans values him. You may have to give up Alec in that trade, and if you do, then you'd, you'd probably rather still have Jeff Teague. Yeah. Um, Darren Collison of the Kings is another interesting one because they're also obviously your competition for the eight seed, right? Mm-hmm. At this point, and so they're probably not all that interested in giving you talent. No, I I would imagine most teams are not going to play ball when you're that neck and neck. Yeah. <laughs> Especially at the trade Yeah, deadline. unless you have very different ideas. But the Kings clearly want to win now. 
Right. Based on all the moves they made so this offseason. It doesn't really make sense for the Kings to do it. It doesn't make sense for them to trade talent to their competition. Right. So that so their they competition can, get can, yeah, to get, yeah. yeah, win now. Especially not for, like, someone who is injured like Alec Burks. Unless we had some secret team member who, like, was really good friends with Boogie Cousins and was the Boogie Whisperer. And they're like, <laughs> if we could only get Jeff Withy. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but <laughs> is is Jeff with with Ian and maybe Kennedy like the Jeff Jeff with the sorry the, the Demarcus Cousins whisperer? Yeah, they can they can convince that's him. That's the secret sauce. I I'm skeptical. <laughs> I remain skeptical. Treasure. Mm. Um. I, I yeah. I I don't see how Darren Collison works out now at this point. You know, maybe you could do it at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. You could convince him that look. Rondo's going to take most of your minutes. You don't have to worry about it. But now I just don't see how that works. I agree. I think Jeff Teague is the guy. Like, yeah. it's kind of him or bust. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's that's not to say, by the way, that I, I think the Jazz are very willing to trade Trey Burke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I would actually bet that the Jazz make a move this trade deadline. And this that's not inside information at all, but that's just my feeling of how when I talk to people around the franchise about how they feel about uh, Trey Burke and to a lesser extent Trevor Booker, they like Trevor Booker more than I do, but um, <laughs> he's also an unrestricted free agent this right. offseason. Uh, and Trey Lyles' play has made Trevor infinitely, exactly. more, infinitely more expendable at this point. Exactly. So, you know, maybe you can get something longer term for, for Book and not lose anything on the court. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a possibility they make a deal if teams are interested in those two guys. Yeah. It's hard, though, because they really don't want to give up any long-term assets, including the first-round picks that are going to be at the end of, of, of the draft. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. I mean, what team do you look at around the league and think, oh, they really need a Trey Burke or they really need a Trevor Booker? Yeah. I mean... I think Trevor Booker might have a few more tangibles than Trey at this point. You think? Yeah. I mean... (sighs) He's like a hustle guy who can offensive rebound. Yeah, but then teams look at that he's shooting like 32% or whatever, and they're going to be pretty unimpressed. I think Trey is more interesting for teams than Trevor, actually. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm the, wondering I'm just what the market is. Yeah, no, that's that's completely fair. Um, and then, so the other weird thing that was mentioned in Zach Lowe's piece was the idea of trading Gordon Hayward or Derek Favors. Mm-hmm. And we talked to Quinn on Tuesday, or was it Wednesday? It was actually Wednesday yesterday about the possibility of trading Gordon Hayward. And I think Quinn Snyder is more offended than by that than by anything in his life you know said it was a number one option said he's going to be a great great player in this league an all-star player Mm -hmm. um has a chance to be elite you know said such fantastic things about gordon hayward that gordon hayward is not darren williams i don't think the jazz are going to trade gordon hayward Mm -hmm. and then Derek favors it's you know the idea is that maybe that fit with favors and gobert doesn't work i just don't think we know that that's true but we don't know that that's true in fact if there's anything that we've seen has worked, it's the Favors and Gobert matchup, right? right? That's that's what fed the Jazz at the end of last season. Totally. And I I think David Locke tweeted the tweet or sent out the tweet, but um in like 15 games a season, they're they're I mean, they're a net positive. They they're playing well. It's not one of those stats where we were looking at Ennis Cantor numbers with Derek Favors and saying, "I don't know. Maybe we don't have enough data." I think we know. We have we, enough data. We like, have enough data to know that that I think that can work. Yeah, I, I, at least 
uh, trading Derek Favors now with his contract seems insane. Ill-advised. Insane. Insane. (laughs) Stupid. I used ill-advised as a synonym for stupid in one of my recent columns, and I kind of wish I would have just said stupid, Mm -hmm. but... Just say what you mean, Andy. Just, it, it might just be stupid. <laughs> anyway, we got to take a break. On the other side, we're going to do this long-awaited negotiation with Buddy Grizzard from Hawks Hoop, the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Atlanta Hawks, our Salty Hoops counterparts. But we're going to take a break. Talk to Buddy on the other side next on the Salty Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Talking hoops and the association, this is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Angie Treasure is our special guest host today. Hey, guys. Thanks for, thanks for being here. A uh, couple of your tweets I want to read. First of all, um, quick, quick answer to this, Angie. Has the media overreacted about Blake Griffin? This is from at Coach Rose Show. Uh, I say no. <laughs> is the quick answer. No, yeah, you punch someone in the face, you deserve to get Right, I guess there's it. an argument that if this would have happened in the 90s, would anyone be making a fuss? But I think it's a different world where, the you know, we scrutinize every tiny tidbit of news. And it's a better world where we scrutinize people punching people right. in the Violence face. Violence is not like a manly thing anymore. I mean, it's, I, I don't think media is making too big a deal. I think it's a genuine story. Yeah, and then uh, Ben Anderson asks, if Gordon Hayward leaves in 2017, is there extra value to clearing more money with a Teague contract if the Jazz traded for him, uh, as opposed to having the most expensive years of Alec Burks? Basically, if Gordon Hayward bolts are the Jazz in a total rebuild. I don't think so. I think the cap is so much. It's going to be so much higher in 2017 anyway that you're going to have essentially like nearly infinite money to spend. You'll have room. Like You'll have room to sign whoever you want, and so getting... $10 million of Alec Burks off the contract, uh, off the books, is I don't think that's going to be hard, even if you want to do that at that point. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's not a worry in this trade negotiation. Do you think if Gordon leaves, are we rebuilding from that point? I don't necessarily. I think Favors, Gobert, maybe Dante Exum's good enough that you. you we have some still, building blocks. Yeah. Rodney Hood, you know, you sure. have a lot of good pieces still. Okay. Anyway, let's talk to Buddy. Uh, Buddy Grizzard is the editor of Hawks Hoop, the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Atlanta Hawks, our counterparts down there in Atlanta. Buddy, are you there? Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, thanks for joining us, first of all. Thanks for having me. You're, you're now like the expert Hawks guy on Jeff Teague and, and why the Hawks are trading him. I, I heard you on the, the blog talk radio earlier today, and uh, you know, you're, you're like that, the Jeff Teague ex- expert. How does it feel? <laughs> um, well, I have uh, tremendously enjoyed watching uh, Jeff Teague's career unfold. Um, a lot of people in the blog community felt like uh, Larry Drew didn't catch on to the fact that Jeff Teague was a really good player until long after we were aware of that. Um, and I just feel that it's unfortunate that the Atlanta Hawks organization has kind of mismanaged its personnel. Basically, what happened is. When Jeff Teague uh, came at a restricted free agency, the Hawks chose to not negotiate with him, not offer him a contract, and instead let him go and sign an offer sheet with the Bucks that they could then match and uh, you know, feel like they were the smartest guys in the room because, ha, 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 we just got Jeff Teague for $8 million a season. What a bargain. The problem is Jeff Teague just put his condo on the market. Um, you know, uh, Players don't really appreciate being 
treated as assets. They prefer to be kind of treated as people. And uh, so I, I feel like, you know, Danny Ferry could have done a much better job of handling Jeff Teague's uh, restricted free agency. And we, we might not be in a situation where it's kind of either or Jeff Teague or Dennis Schroeder right now. And we wouldn't be worried about the fact that um, the Hawks organization at this point is not at all certain that it can keep Al Horford after, after this season. And, uh, you know, because Horford has spent so much of his career with Teague, um, the fact that Teague is very possibly leaving, um, that could uh, factor into Horford's decision to maybe go somewhere else as well. So give me, give me a scouting report on Teague. What are his strengths and weaknesses? Um, he is uh, one of the best uh, ball handlers on the planet. You've probably seen a move that he does where he does a backspin dribble where he, like, whips his hand across the top of the ball and makes a motion where it looks like he's doing a left-to-right left to crossover, but the backspin causes the ball to snap back into his right hand like a, a, a yo-yo. And there are many highlights out there of him executing this dribble, and it just freezes people, and he ends up going you know, in for an uncontested layup because people just don't know where the ball is going. Um, weaknesses, um, last year, it, you know, there's always been a lot of criticism of, of, uh, of Jeff Teague's defense, and, the, and I, I think the eye test agrees with that criticism. But last year, somehow, uh, he was top 10 in defensive real plus minus. Um, this year, he's in the 60s. So he has fallen off a cliff defensively this year. And what, what I specifically look at is um, I look at uh, you know, defensive points per 100 possessions. Right now, uh, the Hawks are allowing opponents 95.4 points per 100 possessions when Dennis Schroeder is on the court. That is most comparable to the number one defense of the San Antonio Spurs. They're allowing 94.1. The second-place defense is the Boston Celtics. They're allowing 98.7. So the Hawks are closest to having the best defense in the NBA when Dennis Schroeder is on, on the court. Uh, when Jeff Teague is on the court, they're allowing 103.4 points per 100 possessions. So uh, the, the Hawks' defense, when Teague is on court, uh, has more similarity with the Philadelphia 76ers. Buddy, with his ankle issues, how big of a concern is that for A, Hawks fans, and B, anyone who's looking at him on the trade market? Uh, I'm going to say something right now that uh, is probably going to get me in trouble and be a little bit controversial. Uh, but I kind of feel like right now that uh, Jeff Teague is, is sandbagging it a little bit. Um, mm. He, uh, when, when the Hawks beat uh, the Chicago, Chicago Bulls recently and he had a chance to play you know, a nationally televised game against the Bulls and Derrick Rose, he went off and the Hawks won that game. Um, the last three games he's had a ridiculous amount of turnovers and they're completely careless. Jeff Teague looks like he has checked out on the Atlanta Hawks, in my opinion. So the, uh, you know, the ankle issues are absolutely a concern. Uh, but what you have to look at is when the Hawks went to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in their Atlanta history, uh, this guy averaged 20 points per game in that series against the Cavaliers. He was the one of the, of the Hawks' four All-Stars that showed up. So this guy was legitimately an all-star last year. Um, he's definitely uh, definitely been slowed by ankle issues throughout the year. I have no doubt that that contributes to his fall-off and defensive performance this year. But the fact that he went ahead and put his condo on the market, it, it's like he is is just kind of publicly stating, well, you know, uh, I, I know I'm, I'm moving on and uh, I'm not going to act like I still want to be here anymore. Um, so, I mean, I, I think uh, – 
you know, if I was another team that needed a point guard, Jeff Teague is absolutely somebody that I'd be going after because the fact that he's having, you know, he increased his player efficiency rating every season of his career until this one. And it looks like maybe he finally kind of hit a plateau. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that, um, you know, the fact that he's having, uh, you know, he's been a little bit off this year, it kind of maybe depresses his value a little bit when, in fact, there's a lot of value there. So what what are the Hawks looking for if, if they do choose to trade Jeff Teague? Um, I would imagine that they'd be looking for another wing. Um, you know, I doubt that you're going to get a difference-making, rim-protecting big man uh, for a point guard. Uh, the problem with that is that there's, you know, you know, point, the point guard position is the, the most talented position in the NBA. There's more talented point guards than there are, you know, any other position. And that has to do with height. You know, there's only so many people that are 6'5 or 6'10 and are great at basketball, but there's a lot of people that are 6'2 and are, are great great at basketball. So there's only a limited number of teams that, um, that really need a point guard. And um, generally speaking, you, you don't want to trade a talented big man for a talented small man because talented, you know, you know small guys are easier to find, basically. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that the Hawks are absolutely ready uh, to turn over this team to Dennis Schroeder. Um, they're about 13 points per 100 possessions better with Schroeder on the court as, as compared to Teague. And that's, that's massive. I really believe that Dennis Schroeder is on the, on the verge of a breakout and it's been time for a while for them to turn it over to somebody who like really cares about leading this team, which I don't really think, you know, Jeff Teague does anymore. Do you okay? Do you need do you need a backup point guard in the trade? I'm basically trying I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to offer you here as as the quote unquote representative of the Jazz. Okay, well let's let's get this conversation started. Okay, Here's what go. I'm bringing to the table. I've all got right. an all star point guard. I've got one of the top ten point guards on the planet. I've got a guy that averaged over twenty points per game in a playoff series in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavaliers. What do you got? I got that your market is limited, as you <laughs> clearly pointed out here. So, you got a guy who sold his condo is what you got. Yeah, you, you've got a malcontent who hasn't been trying in all of his games is all, is all I've heard With so air far. quote, ankle injury. Yeah. Hmm. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, we, we have some, some assets for you. We have maybe, uh, you know, the Jazz have three good wings, and I think it's clear that the Jazz would like to keep two of them. Um, Gordon Hayward and, and is probably the, the best player on the team. Rodney Hood is a tremendous scorer right now in just his second year. But Alec Burks is a tremendous scorer, too, uh, in his fifth season and is still young, kind of gives you a a different look offensively, someone who can score off the dribble uh, from the wing spot and and, uh, maybe gives you a different dimension on offense. What do do you think about Alec Burks? Um. I think that if the Hawks could get Alec Burks, that that would be a huge score because you trade a player in Jeff Teague that um, at the end of the season he becomes an expiring contract and his trade value goes down even further than you know the depressed value that it's seeing right now. I really feel like that the Hawks need to get something for Jeff Teague. The, you know, they they approached restricted free agency like. You know, we're only going to match this if it's a bargain contract to where he's tradable and we can get something for him. So that was kind of always the Hawks organization's plan 
was to trade Teague down the road. Well, now's the time when that has to happen before, you know, it gets to the point where you get nothing for him. Um, and, you know, if they could come out of this, uh, you know, come out of this with, you know, Utah's third best wing, that would be a coup for the Hawks because, I, you know, I'm not sure what uh, Alec Burks' contract situation is, um, but I would imagine that they would have him under contract for more years than they would have Jeff T. Yeah, they, he's got three more years after this one. Uh, oh, that would be that would be wonderful. Let's do this now. Okay, I've the, offered too the, much. Here's the problem. Andy, in our in our pre-trade discussions, preemptive discussion, said, let's bring up Alec Burks last and then uh-huh. proceeds to offer uh-huh. him first thing. <laughs> we played our hand too soon, Andy. I'm terrible at this. Never hire me. Um, so, um, <laughs> no front office jobs. You know, the, the person that invited me into True Hoop Network was Brett Legree, just a phenomenal writer that, um, you know, uh, the Hawks blogosphere misses terribly. Um, and he encouraged me to start writing a uh, NBA draft depth chart where each year, you know, like if the Hawks have 15 picks, then I rank my top 15 players available. So when the Atlanta Hawks drafted Adrian Payne, he was not on my depth chart. My highest-rated available player at that time was Rodney Hood. Mm. Um, and in my opinion, Rodney Hood is untouchable. You're not getting uh, Rodney. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think Gordon Hayward, Hayward, you could pretty safely say that he's untouchable as well. So I, I think that the reason that, we, you know, uh, we go straight to this, uh, you know, maybe uh, Alec Burks and uh, Trey Burke, for Jeff Teague and then our third point guard Shelvin Mack, the the salaries match up almost exactly, um, you know. And uh, I, I don't know if I, you know I don't know if Dennis Lindsay's really going to be willing to do that trade because you'd be giving up two players that are young and have not you know like really reached their ceiling. Jeff Teague, you kind of know what he is at this point. Are you at all um, interested in sending Tiago Splitter as well? Um, you know, uh, for the, for the right deal, I think that Tiago splitter is, is definitely gettable, uh, because the thing is, is I, you know, I think the most games that he's played in a season in his career is like 60 something. So, and, uh, you know, after he posted an 18.9 player efficiency rating last season for the Spurs, uh, you know, he, he spent a good portion of the season under 12. He's recovered to where he's about a 14 now. Um, but Tiago Splitter has really struggled and has really not uh, kind of offset the loss of Damari Carroll uh, like I think a lot of people were expecting him to. And, you know, if the Hawks could get something for Tiago Splitter, um, I, you know, I think that that, uh, that conversation is, you know, is wide open. See, we're trying to play like risk with players and uh, acquire countries at at once. So we we, we need another Brazilian. <laughs> we having already having a, a Brazilian on the roster and Howell Neto. Yeah, no, it, this is this is a weird conversation because uh, you know Alec Burks is it would be a coup for you guys to to acquire in this trade. But then if you yeah. don't include Alec Burks in the deal, I don't know that it gets done. You know, like it, it would I don't think Trey Burke plus. Trevor Booker plus you know Jeff Withy who's a nice rim protecting big but he's certainly not like a big difference maker uh, plus you know like a first round pick I don't does that th- that doesn't seem like it would interest you right I'm sorry I'm a terrible negotiator that should interest you right <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, if, if we're talking about a first-round pick, then you've definitely got my attention. Okay. Um, I don't think that the Jazz are going to be offering any first-round picks. I think that they no. that, that the Jazz are a really well-managed, well-run organization. We that, do have a Golden State first-round pick, though, so that that's yeah. hardly a first-round pick. <laughs> well... <laughs> That's thirty. Well, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'm. I'm so much interested in the Golden State, thing, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, I mean the Jazz are you know a, a traditional power powerhouse organization. They had to rebuild. They've rebuilt brilliantly. They are so stocked with talent. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, Dennis Lindsay was a home run hire. Uh, you know. Uh, so, you know, if, if we're talking about a pick that's not, you know, automatically going to be the 30th pick in the draft, then, yeah, we can certainly have a conversation. Okay. That, that pick is, is, is more we're talking, you know, about, you know, the Trevor Bookers and Raul Meadows of the world. Yeah, and that's that's kind of my – I mean, maybe the we have an Oklahoma City pick that we got in, in the uh, Ennis Cantor deal. Uh, that one's, you know, probably still at the bottom end of the first round, but still it's not 30, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. th- that would be a 2018 Oklahoma City pick, and I, I believe it's top 16 or top 18 protected at that point. Um, well, here's the thing with the Hawks is, uh, uh, you know, I was listening to the uh, the game in uh, Indianapolis uh, on the radio, and the last I heard the Hawks were losing going into the fourth quarter. Um, the Hawks have just gone through the softest part of their schedule. They're schedule was front-loaded with weaker teams, and the last two months of, of the season is just going to be brutal as far as the strength of schedule is concerned. Um, so having gotten through the first half of the season, which was really soft, um, they didn't get through it particularly well. I mean, they're, they're not that far out of being the second-place team in the East, but they've lost so many close games, and they've lost so many games to teams that are not really good. Um, and uh, Somebody on ESPN.com, it might have been Zach Lowe, I'm not 100% sure, but somebody said that the Hawks might be close to, to, to pressing the reset button. Yeah. And I think that that's real, and I think that not only could they look to trade Jeff Teague, but they may be looking to trade everybody. Hmm. Um, because if you don't feel like that you can contend for a championship with this core and you're going to go into a rebuild, then you've got a limited amount of time to get something for all of these players, basically. Yeah, that's a good point. They all did right. lose by 19 to the – to Pacers tonight, by the way. Oh wow! Yeah, see, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it just doesn't look like the Hawks are headed back to the Eastern Conference Finals right now, and right. and that's why the conversation that we're having is is a very real conversation. All right, well, buddy, we got to let you go and go to a commercial break. But thank you so much for joining us. I feel like we did make some progress. Mostly, I am encouraged at, at Jeff Teague's <laughs> gettability right now. I don't make me. I, <laughs> I regret bringing up Alec Burks at all. At I feel first. like we can just <laughs> give the first round pick Trey Burke and and some stuff, and it it might work out for for the Jazz to to acquire last year's All Star point guard in in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, uh, the Hawks have to get something for Jeff Teague. So the, you know something something's going to happen. We just uh, have to outbid really the Knicks. It. That's what's important. All right, and and that will be hard to do. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, where can we follow you on Twitter? Uh, it's at Buddy Grizzard. Cool. And then we'll also read all of your work on Hawks Hoop, the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Atlanta Hawks. Thanks again to Buddy. we got to take a break. On the other side, all-star rosters were announced today. We're going to be talking about the, the Western and Eastern Conference reserves, who made it, who didn't, and then plus some fun in the skills challenge this year, hopefully. That's coming up next on the Salt State Hoop Show, ESPN 700. 
Analytics and opinions on the Jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show. Uh, We're going to save the actual all-star rosters and the discussion about snubs and whatnot uh, for next segment. But we did want to talk about an important new piece of the the all-star tradition. At least it looks like... Mark Stein of ESPN is reporting that DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis look likely to be in some sort of big man skills challenge sort and of thing. And Draymond Green. And Draymond, yeah, that's right. Um, in some sort of big man skills challenge thing where they have to pass and run and shoot. and and I, I, I just want to see DeMarcus Cousins dribbling around all the cones and passing exactly. it into the hoop. It's the equivalent of when you see a really small guy in a dunk contest. Like, it's... It's just something that they should not be good at, that it's so exciting to watch them be, to participate in. I want all of those players in the three-point contest, yep. in yeah, the, the shooting stars thing, whatever it's called. The, <laughs> the, I just want everyone taking half-court shots. Actually, that would be really fun. I want Rudy Gobert in, in the skills contest. Yeah, Rudy Gobert has shown enough to do that, right? Like yeah. he's, He did that Euro step last year. He's got the finger roll. He hit two floaters on Monday night. He loves that backup pass. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is he couldn't actually face the basket, face right. the hoop when he was doing the, this part of the skills challenge. He'd actually have to like <laughs> face away he'd from turn. it and then back pass it. Yeah, he'd be dropping Notre Dimes all over the place. That'd all be right, fantastic. I see what you did there. I think I stole it. It's fine. Do you know who I from? I think it's Dan Clayton. Okay. And a Dan Clayton original. He's also Salt City Hoop, so I can use it. So it's legit? Yeah. That's fair. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm excited for that part of it. Um, I And more or less, uh, I love the Saturday games more than the Sunday show itself, the Sunday All-Star game itself. There's usually more intrigue. Definitely. All right. We got to take another quick break, but we've got Jody Genesee coming on the other side of it. Going to be talking about the jazz trade situation, uh, our trip to New York City last year, and Steve the Pizza Guy. That's next on the Salsa Hoop Show. You're listening to it on ESPN 700. On Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. I believe we're still trying to get Jody, so. We've got a second to to discuss the mm. trade negotiations. How do you think it went? I think it went really poorly, and I'm a <laughs> terrible negotiator. So you should not get hired in an NBA front office. <laughs> I should not be the point man who's like talking to the other teams about what we'd offer. And you'd also be bad at poker. Is that a safe assumption? I'm a I'm a good okay. So I'm good at poker because I'm good at math, right? Right. And and so. But the auxiliary elements. But of the poker, whole like. Bluffing thing, yeah. Bluffing in a poker face. No, I Those like. Po- yeah, yeah, I think that's that was true. indicative of a bad poker face. Yeah, no. My thing is just like I have. If I have good, I like. I just don't bluff in poker. If I have good cards, I'll play them. If I don't have good cards, I won't play them. Mm-hmm. And then I know my that's odds half- of winning on any given hand. And so, like, you're giving up on half the game. Then you're not playing. Yeah. You're not playing half the. But half I'm the playing game. the half the game that I'm good at. Sure. But if you got good at the other thing, yeah, then I could be wealthy. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> the point is, I thought I went like okay. So first of all, I who thought should it, we have started with? Probably Tra- Trey Burke in a first. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to throw I, Chris Johnson. We brought him onto our show. We we can't insult the man. No, I think that's fair. But <laughs> maybe we should have just started <laughs> he, with the first. He immediately accepted. He said that yes, offer. like very very quickly. Yeah. Uh, I am 
I am a little bit surprised that he was so down on Jeff Teague, right? Like he, that was surprising, and so high on Dennis Schroeder. Right. When you look at their stats, and they're not like that dissimilar of players, other than um, like the defense part, which ultimately is a big deal. But like their their regular production stats of like points, assists, etc., are fairly similar. Just not the the on court off court stats this year. Last mm-hmm. year, though, Jeff Teague was a much better player than Dennis Schroeder, no doubt. It feels like a classic scenario of play the young guy, right? Yeah, get rid of what we know. And sometimes that goes well, like with Derek Favors, and then sometimes it doesn't go well, like with Ennis Cantor. Exactly. And and uh, yeah, I mean, is the devil you know better than the devil you don't? Right. And then meanwhile, you let Paul Millsap go, and he goes into three consecutive All Star games. Right. So anyway. We've got Jody on the line, though. We, let's bring him in. Let's bring him into this conversation. Jody, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Good. Thanks. Good. Thanks for joining us on this lovely Thursday evening. Um, it feels like a continuation of the uh, press room chat we had. Yeah. So uh, we've had a lot of conversations recently, right? Like we were on this week-long New York trip together. <laughs> um, you know, we saw each other earlier today. Now we're talking. We at talked night. about like, laundry earlier, which is very important. We have yeah. that on the show schedule. I won't give later. it away. We can't. Okay. We can't talk about laundry yet. <laughs> we'll save it. Um, oh, but yeah, I, we, we've talked a lot, Jody. But uh, not, maybe not about Jeff Teague as much as we should have. And and so this is kind of like the rumor du jour of jazz fans. We're spending a lot of time on it on the show today. But I think it's because it's such an interesting possibility that like you know finally there's this point guard that the Jazz could acquire who's young, kind of in their uh, age range doesn't hurt you contractually because he his contract runs out and at the end of the the 2017 so he'd be a free agent in the summer of 2017 and was an an all-star player last year so it kind of hits most of the check boxes it seems like yeah and i mean on top of that he has a good relationship with Quinn Snyder so he runs a similar offense uh, you know just the type of offense that the the, the Jazz are trying to run eventually <laughs> That's the Snyder, you know, that that Spurs offense that Snyder wants to run. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he does. I mean, and I, you guys are talking about Dennis Schroeder, Schroeder, Schroeder. How do you say his last name? Schroeder, I think, is is official. Schreuder. I think that's oh. the way we're allowed to pronounce it. <laughs> Schroeder is is an intriguing aspect, or uh, you know, a guy as well, because Dennis, or excuse me, uh, Quinn really worked a lot with him when he was an assistant at Atlanta. And so they also have a good relationship, but it seems like Atlanta wants to keep the younger of those two young guys. But Jeff Teague, I mean, like you're saying, he's often we fall in love with people who are on a different team. It's the grass is greener on the other side. But I think he would fit in nicely with the Jazz. It's just the question I have is, what are you willing to give up, you know, in exchange for a guy who, you know, he's – like you said, he he would be here for a year and a half, and then his contract would be up. Um, are you willing to next year have somebody challenge Tra- or Dante Exum for that starting job, or do you want to just give him his his position back? So it it brings up a lot of questions. And, and Quinn it's kind of fun to chat with, chat about, but there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered. And Quinn kind of poo-pooed the the whole concept that it's on his radar when you asked him about it today, didn't he? Yeah, he did, and that's the. I mean, that was the correct answer. You know, he's he loves his current team, and he's all of his focus is on this team. And I believe him when he says, you know, I asked him about the swirling trade talks, and he said that's not part of my world. I'm not in that world. 
he's not. He's a he's while we're out there on Twitter looking up crazy rumors and this and that, he's breaking down film at all all, all hours of the night and reading game reports and and teaching players and I mean he's just so focused in on his team that he doesn't need to worry about that, all that stuff. That's what Dennis Lindsay's there for. I to me it. It didn't really answer the question of whether the Jazz are or aren't looking at Jeff Teague, but I like Quinn's attitude, and I believe him. But he's not worried about players that aren't on his team right now. He's worried about the guys who are. So, yeah, I mean, the big question is, yeah, and I agree that this isn't really Quinn Snyder's, um, this isn't his department, right? You know, it's kind of the department of the front office and Dennis Lindsay, Justin Zanuck, et cetera. But is it, uh, are the Jazz willing to, to trade for Jeff Teague, given that, you know, like you said, that he'll be competing with minutes for Dante, with Dante Axum for minutes next season, uh, you know, potentially splitting time with him, whatever the case might be, and the fact that you probably need to give up some sort of asset in order to acquire him. Is, is that, are either of those things something that you think the Jazz are willing to do? Yeah, I think uh, if Jeff Teague, if you put him in the, in the starting point guard position right now, I think the Jazz are a playoff team. Without a question, almost you know, knock on wood, barring any more injuries, I think he gives you more than than Trey Burke and or Raul Neto could, and, you know. And it's you know that's not a knock on them. They I think they've done nice jobs this year. Powell, especially defensively, Trey's game on the offensive end has picked up, but I think they were both nice or potentially nice backup point guards. Jeff Teague is a really good starting point guard and so that would be I mean that's really the missing link right now aside from all the missing injured players is that uh, top tier or even middle tier point guard which the Jazz just don't necessarily have right now and so I I mean he's still not known to be a great defensive player and that's what Dante gave them last year is he was so good on the perimeter so they still be lacking there I don't even think next year it'd be that big of a deal. I I don't mind that Dante got the starting role such a young age, and he still has a lot to to learn. I, I think I I wouldn't be opposed to having a good player like Jeff Teague ahead of Dante and make him push even harder for his minutes and and kind of win back that starting role. I'm okay with that. Some people might not be, but I think it wouldn't be bad for him coming off of a major knee surgery uh, to have somebody else there that could handle the load at a, a really high level. Yeah, I mean, so like we like we said, Dante Exum started 41 games last season out of the 82 uh, and played 22 minutes a night. And I think you can still uh, raise that number of minutes and have him play that, maybe have him play alongside Jeff Teague at times and, and yeah. still improve your team long term. That being said, when I, when I talk to the Jazz about that, uh, it, they say... It, that you know they're so focused on on the on the development of Dante Exum that they want him to get as many minutes as possible next year, regardless of of where he is in, in kind of his rehabilitation process and really where he is in terms of his developmental process. You know the guy shot less than thirty five percent from the field last year, um, but they want him to to go through those growing pains. Yeah, and that's the quandary they're in right now. But at the same time, you. I mean, they're at a point where, like Zach Lowe wrote about this week, where, you know, they really need to start winning, too. I'll give them the pass with the injuries. But if they're healthy, they they need to do all they can to uh, get W's on the board. And I, I think if they got a guy like Jeff Teague 
they could still, as you said, they could still let Dante play quite a few minutes. Uh, there'd be less pressure on him, and I, I think it'd be a good learning environment for a guy like Dante Axum. And you'd you'd get a little bit of both. You'd have the player that is there in Jeff Teague, who could, who's at a playoff level, and then you have Dante, who's learning uh, in a pretty good environment. I, I I think it's a win-win. And I, as much as I like Alec Burks' game, I'm willing to give up Alec Burks. I'm willing to give up one of the the uh, first round picks they have. I, I don't know. I don't know how much Atlanta is going to ask for him. I haven't gotten that sense yet. Yeah. But if, if it's an Alec Burks and a Trey Burke or Alec Burks and one, you know, the the Warriors pick or the Oklahoma City pick, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, I mean, we so we just had Buddy Grizzard, our our counterpart um, from the ESPN True blog from Atlanta. Uh, kind of come on the show and, and do these negotiations with us. And he seemed like... <laughs> he was willing to do it straight up. He was up. willing to do anything, it seemed like. You know, it, really? If we gave him like a, a first-round pick, Alec Burks they were willing to take. Uh, it sounded like, from his point of view at least, that at this point they just wanted something good in return for Jeff Teague before he, before he leaves soon. They think uh, he's done. And he sold his condo. And as you know, like the real estate... Uh, Gossip is real in the blogosphere. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Atlanta fans surprisingly... Did he buy a, a tennis estate in, in San Diego? No, 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 no. He sold a condo or in he's, Atlanta. He's listed his condo. Listed, excuse me. But uh, that's, that's funny how that... Uh, that stuff means you know, Regardless, something they now. think he has one foot out the door. Well, and he might. I mean, I know that, you know, that's a tough situation for him. It's almost like the Jazz were with their bigs. You know, you had uh, rising stars behind some of the pretty good veterans. And, you know, we experienced that for a couple of years, Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap. And when you had Derek Favors and Ennis Cantor, uh, you know, nipping at their heels. And so at some point, you do have to decide, if we're going to go with Schrader, then we need to see what we can get for Jeff Teague. I I don't see any way that they're going to do a straight trade, though. I mean, I, I think the Jazz are going to have to give up more than Atlanta does, to be honest with you. I, just because of – he's an all-star, you know, and he's he's a really good point guard. So I, I think he's a valuable asset. And while I do think Alec Burks is a nice player, he's not at the level of Jeff Teague. It doesn't seem like a starting point guard for a sixth man makes much sense straight up to us either. But, but the Jazz Buddy was all about it. Yeah. According to oh, a well, Hawks blogger, it's a I mean, done yeah, deal. It, who am I to argue with a Hawks blogger? <laughs> um, let me ask you, this is kind of a weird question um, from someone in, in our shoes, but I hear so much about how secretive the Jazz are, right? You know, that they never leak any information, that everything's always no comment, and, and every rumor is coming from the other side, not necessarily the Jazz. Is that still true in the Dennis Lindsay era rather than the the Kevin O'Connor era? It really is, especially when it comes to trades and and player personnel stuff like that. I mean, um, you know, I, I can't divulge too many sources here or any sources really, but whenever I get information about Jazz trades, I'll, I'll give you that much. It's never from Dennis Lindsay or Justin Zanuck, and it's never from. Uh, somebody within the Jazz organization because the Jazz are trying to leak that information out. Uh, some some teams will play those games. They'll try to negotiate in the media and try to float rumors out there and see what 
you know, what the reaction is and this and that. But Dennis Lindsay, that's <laughs> that is not the game that he's going to play. In fact, he's gotten mad at me for information that I've reported where some people thought it was being leaked out from the Jazz, and it certainly wasn't. It's a question to some of my my sources, and that's always fun to go back and forth with. Well, you know, I know this. Well, no, that's a lie. <laughs> so I, I just no, that's a long answer. But no, he's he's uh, really wants to do everything, you know, behind closed doors, and doesn't want any information at all to be leaked out. They're really careful with the information, and they're guarded with what they want their you know their staff and their players and everybody to say within the say within their organization they put up a lot of barriers since Dennis Lindsay came and it's even got I I think the flow of information is even the trickle is slower now than it was before hmm. just because they want they don't want to deal with it with the media until after the fact in the jazz's ideal situation <laughs> They're not going to hear from the media or talk to media until they've already done the press release to announce a, a trade or or a signing or something like that. So then that makes our our job really hard. Yeah, I was just going to. So, you know, we have to rely on agents or hope that some employee within the organization decides to be kind to you and, and throw you a bone here or there. But it's not going to come from Dennis Lindsay, that's for sure. Sorry, Jody, I was just going to ask. I know that I was going to say that makes your job more difficult as a media member, but do you think that's a positive as an organization? I actually do think it's a, a smart way of business. Yeah, it, you know, it's frustrating, and, and we don't get the juicy scoops sometimes. And, uh, and oftentimes, you know, you'll see uh, Woj or another national writer get the scoops for us because they are a little bit closer to agents who they deal with with multiple players than we do, you know, Sometimes we don't deal with the agents at all because we don't have players that are represented by them. So, you know, we we probably, you know, look like we're not quite on top of our game here with the local media. But I, I think it's the Jazz, it, it's to their benefit, really, to negotiate and, and do everything behind closed doors because they they don't want emotions to get involved with it. And if something leaks out, then suddenly you have to deal with, what's this player going to think and, and what if it doesn't come about? That was one situation last year that Dennis Lindsay was really upset when I reported that uh, the Jazz were looking uh, to trade Derek Favors or were exploring to trade Derek Favors to Cleveland for, you know, with Andrew Wiggins and all that. They were hoping to get Jabari Parker at that point. And, and uh, you know, they just don't want Derek Favors to feel or any of their players to feel like, they're not wanted by the Jazz, and especially guys like Derek, who the the first year of his career he was always on the trade block until the Jazz finally did indeed trade for him, and that really made him uh, feel unwanted by New Jersey at the time. And it took a while for him to really feel at home with the Jazz because you know he grew up at, in the NBA not trusting the team that he was with. So that trust factor is really important for the Jazz. That's a long-winded answer, but there you go. No, I, I really appreciate it. Um, actually, yeah, no, I, I think that's an interesting point of view, and, and I, I think you're you're right there. It is just how business 
it makes sense for the Jazz organization to run in that sort of way, given that they want the players to stick around and how difficult it is for the Jazz to kind of acquire regular free agents on their own. It's important to retain those people and, and make them feel like part of a, a family, more or less. So, anyway. All right, Jody, we got to run. Um, I'm going to see you tomorrow for like the 10th straight consecutive day. <laughs> so, we'll continue <laughs> yeah, this conversation like then. <laughs> yeah. The odd couple. I, I like it. No, I mean, we can we can be in a planes, trains, automobile sort of movie after what happened last weekend, right? That was fun. I, I wish I, I loved having you out there on the road. I I, I wish uh, you could be out there more often. You too, as well, Angie. It, Heck let's yeah. get all of us out there. Party on the road. Let's I like it. it. Let's, let's get all of us on the charter, though, on the team charter, right? Oh, yes. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I would miss my Sky Miles, but I would take the, uh, <laughs> the, the first class seat and the actual the flight home so I come <laughs> home on Friday night instead of Monday night. I I completely agree with you. All right. Well, thank you, Jody. You can follow Jody at DJ Jazzy Jody on Twitter or, of course, read his work in the Deseret News newspaper or at DeseretNews.com. Um, before we go to break, we promised the All-Star rosters at some point. Let's talk about the All-Star rosters. Okay. Um, those were announced today. Western Conference reserves. Let's just read them out first, and I'll get your impressions. Okay. Uh, Western Conference reserves are Draymond Green, Anthony Davis, uh, Chris Paul, DeMarcus Cousins, Clay Thompson, James Harden, and LaMarcus Aldridge. Your thoughts on, on the Western Conference? Seems like there's only really one surprise, and that's LaMarcus. Mm-hmm. I'm a little surprised Tim Duncan wasn't on the roster, even as just kind of a legacy. I mean, he's been great this season, but um, seems like I thought this was going to be the year of the of the farewell tour. I thought we would would maybe have Dirk on the roster mm-hmm. and maybe have Tim Duncan. Aldridge seems like a little bit of an odd choice. You can really make a case that Tim Duncan's been much more impactful for the, the Spurs this year than LaMarcus Aldridge. Even though Duncan's played far fewer minutes, he still is one of the best rim protectors and, and def- overall defenders in the NBA. You can't say the same thing about Aldridge. No, and Aldridge is averaging 15-9 and nine on the second-best team in the league, and that's not something to turn your nose at, but is that all-star game-worthy? It almost feels like a... a just kind of a tossed-in right. name. Um, I mean, absolutely, Kawhi deserves to start. Mm-hmm. And Spurs probably should have a second player, but it doesn't make sense that it's not Tim Duncan for me. Yeah, no, and and I, I mean, so Tim Duncan's only averaging nine and seven and a half. So, I, you know, you get the per-game numbers aren't there with him. But everything else is, and I think we've kind of graduated to the point where we understand what Tim Duncan's value is to that team uh, and don't necessarily have to look at the number figures. And then if you are looking at the number figures, then you should just go to straight to Damian Lillard, who's having a fine season for it for the Portland Trailblazers, really carrying that team after Aldridge left. I think he's doing what DeMarcus Cousins is essentially doing in in Sacramento, where he's carrying a team into a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have the guy who's getting 15-9 and nine because of the stats, why not go for the guy who's getting 24-7 and seven, right. um, for, for Portland? I mean, I, I get that the Spurs have more wins, but yeah, that, that seems like a little bit issue. of a weird choice. I mean, Aldridge is a big... Right, I mean, right, right. I, there are plenty of guards already on. on yeah, but that doesn't but matter. But you can fudge it with the reserves. Right. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, and then the the Eastern Conference squad is Paul Millsap, uh, Chris Bosh, Jimmy Butler, John Wall, Isaiah Thomas, Andre Drummond, and DeMar DeRozan. So Isaiah Thomas is a surprise, as is DeMar DeRozan for me. But 
when we were talking about this earlier, I don't know that I could come up with somebody to replace either of yeah. them. That, I mean, that's always kind of been the case is that the Eastern Conference, or at least it seems like for the last few years, the Eastern Conference has like one or two guys who are like, eh, is yeah. that really all-star level? I mean, you could put like Nick Batum on the squad yeah. instead. He's helped Charlotte a lot, probably more than... Or I, Kemba. I mean, Kemba's been great over the last um, been, two weeks. Been Was scorching. the NBA's player of the year. Or player of the week, excuse me, yeah. last week. Kevin Love. I mean, I I don't think Kevin Love probably deserves an all-star spot this season. But yeah, I, I feel... Those feel less egregious than LaMarcus Aldridge to me. Agreed. Uh, and then Rising Stars game, I, I think it's interesting from a Jazz point of view that Howell Neto and uh, Rodney Hood made it, but not Trey Lyles. Mm-hmm. I, ultimately, I think that's a scarcity thing where the world team has so many good centers and no, point and no guards at all. Yeah. Like They have Moutier, and then they've got... Bojan Bogdanovic from the Nets, who is is probably a worse player than Howell Neto. Yeah. Um, so that's that kind of explains that, but it's still a weird roster situation. And Devin Devin Booker didn't make it, did he? Yeah, no. And that's the other thing that is seems odd. yeah, Devin Booker didn't make it. Boban didn't make it, which is it's just a massive shame. Yeah, um, I mean, for the especially this weekend's supposed to be all about fun. Right. Put, him, <laughs> put, put the him fun in, guy in. Put the most fun guy in the league into the game. I completely agreed. Uh, I mean, you get Jokic and Miritich, and you do get Porzingis versus Carl Anthony Towns, which is a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that matchup. Um, it was kind of the Nerlens versus Rudy this year, you know, or last yeah. year. It's that same kind of fun matchup. And, and it'll, from a, again, a Jazz point of view, it'll be fun to see how will Neto face off against Rodney Hood. Hopefully those guys are matched up against each other at some point. Yeah, and uh, Howell joked about that at practice today, that they're already trash-talking. Mm-hmm. Good. So, so it's happening. Good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, all of the, the, the games and the, the skills challenge and uh, the rookie sophomore game, I like all of those more than the actual All-Star game itself. Yeah. They're, they're just more fun. Like, There's nothing. They ant- we don't learn anything from the right. All-Star game. Right. But having DeMarcus Cousins go through the skills challenge, we learn it's everything from. So vinable. Yes. Yes. So excited. All right. We got to take a break. On the other side, we do what we do every week at this time on the Salt City Hoop Show. We go around the NBA talking all the latest news and notes from the last week in the National Basketball Association. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Talking hoops and the association. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson here, managing editor, saltcityhoops.com. Utah Jazz beat writer for KSL.com. Andy Treasure joining me, hey. being the guest host this week, stepping in for Zach Harper because it's his birthday and he didn't want to be here. Let's Happy be real. birthday, Zach. We hope ha- we watch all the Nick Cage movies you possibly can today. <laughs> How many Nick Cage movies can you fit in in a single day? The Zach Harper story. Yeah. Uh, at least 10, right? At least, yeah. Let's go around the, let's go around the NBA. Um, actually, let's start with the WNBA, because why not? Absolutely. Because um, the basketball generally uses the WNBA. Um, obviously, the NBA has a large ownership stake in the WNBA, uh, but they often use the WNBA and the D-League as like these testing grounds for possible NBA change rules. So not only is this interesting if you're like a WNBA fan, which is cool, but uh, it's also possibly interesting for the NBA future. Anyway, the WNBA changed their playoff format so that... First of all, uh, each step of the way, the teams get reseeded. Oh, I didn't know that part. And secondly, that the first two rounds are single elimination. 
Interesting. Now, I don't like I don't like the idea of the first two rounds being single elimination. I want to see the first round. Or do you, no, you like the upset? Right. I, I, I don't like I don't necessarily like the upset potential. You want the best team. I, I want the I best want, of seven. Yeah, I want the Warriors and Cavs in the finals. Yeah. Right? You don't you don't want, you know, if the Jazz were the eight seed to upset the the Warriors and then No, I want that. I mean, okay, fine, <laughs> I want that. I don't want the, the Rockets to upset the Spurs. Yeah. And then we miss out on a great long battle between those two teams. That seems like trying to capitalize on on March Madness a yeah. little bit, where they they like the the Cinderella story, That's the right? Thing. Like if I if I didn't care about those teams, if I wasn't an NBA fan, yeah, single elimination is the way to go. You know, that's why March Madness is so much fun. That's a little bit why the NFL playoffs are so much fun, is because right. crazy things can and do happen to change what hap- You know, who wins? Ratings are up but, if it's a if it's one game, b if it's hey, we don't know what's going to happen at the end of this, and then it's going to affect the rest of the playoff series right and, and that's that's the thing to me is i want to see i want to see a more basketball and b i want to see great teams battle each other um in in close games and you're much more likely to get that over the course of a seven game series than a single game and build a lot of animosity towards each other and then that's have true. to face each other that again. part's fun yeah i like uh, you i i think you can make a case for like five games if you want to go back to the five game first round that it was you know before 2005 i believe they made that change but mm. I don't want to see just single elimination because then you know, crazy things can and will happen and you'll miss out, you'll miss on, out on. Right. Uh, one we haven't talked about on the show actually is the Cavaliers firing David Blatt last Friday, giving Tyron Lue a multi year contract to step in. Uh, Cleveland had the best record of any coach of any team that's ever been fired mid season at 30 and 11 when the firings happened uh the Cavs are now two and one since then he's Tyron Lue is now also the the uh most inexperienced coach to coach an all-star game because the Cavs yeah. are at the top of the Eastern Conference that so he seems, gets to coach it that seems strange to me yeah that they um, give him that coaching nod there are all these reports coming out after about how black calling phantom fouls to get in his stars, um, good graces, I guess, mm-hmm. and that they the team never really respected David Blatt, which is fine, but it, it's still it's still a weird time for this to me. Like, it doesn't seem that weird to me. Really, it seems like LeBron has so much time, only so much time left, and he wants it to challenge the Warriors now, and didn't feel like Blatt was getting them there. So then, why do you? Why do you fire him after two wins to the Nets and the Clippers last week? Like that that part is weird to me. Like if you're yeah. gonna say, look, it's it's our performance against the Warriors, why not fire him after Christmas Day? It's and, I mean, on Christmas have... Day. Fire the man on Christmas. <laughs> it sounded, Blood. It sounded like they were open to firing him after the twenty nine point blowout to the Trailblazers. Yeah. Um um which that would have been more logical too. Maybe it was just they had to get so many yeses to to, to make it happen. I don't know. Yeah, no. Maybe, maybe, you maybe had to LeBron talk to... just hadn't sent se- press send on that text yet. I mean, it's possible, right? Like they hadn't talked to him and his agency and the whole Rich Paul thing and Maverick Carter. I mean, right. you know, if this is if this conspiracy is as vast as people say it is, and you know, there's some evidence there, then yeah, you have to say you have to hear from a lot of people in order to fire David Blatt. Yeah, I uh, also don't believe there's a universe where LeBron was not involved in the decision-making. Right. That seems silly to even say. 
my question is whether or not Lou is going to be a good coach. Yeah, they have no idea. I mean, I know they like him. Right, like he's a nice guy, but sure. so is Ty Corbin, who's right. standing right behind us in cardboard cutout yeah, form right now. Yeah, he's staring right into and my soul. He was a super-duper nice guy, however, was pretty objectively a bad coach. Yeah, it's just, I, how do you know the guy who is the quote-unquote player's coach is going to turn into the guy who's going to push you over the edge the way that LeBron's Especially hoping. for a first-time coach, right? Like, exactly. You, you have no idea. No, they have they have zero clue. It's so interesting that they gave him this multi year deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you would almost like want to get someone out there who you know what you're getting from, and yeah. would be able to implement Tibbs. some sort of yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Tom Thibodeau is available out there. I think LeBron a little, wanted a, a puppet a little bit. Yeah, you right. can't see my hands, but they're manipulating they're a, a marionette. But <laughs> someone he could, you know, I from what I heard, he couldn't really do that with Spo. Um, right and Blatt wasn't his guy. Blatt was hired before LeBron decided to come home, so maybe maybe uh, Lou is willing to do what he do what LeBron say. Le- I, LeBron I think get he what LeBron is, get. But it's going to be interesting to see what that system looks like because I I think that involves a lot of the ball in LeBron's hands. I don't know that it's like necessarily a fluid offensive system. Right. It feels like they should figure out a way to integrate Kyrie and Kevin Love better instead of just uh, let LeBron do it what he's going to do. I don't think agreed. that that's not going to beat the Warriors in right. yeah, any I, scenario. Yeah, agreed. Which is what they're focusing on. And I do think it's interesting that they, they're worried about that long-term matchup. Yeah. Um, that's the that's the primary concern. Yeah, and, and it doesn't seem like... Otherwise, they would not have fired he's the David key. Blatt. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going back and forth in, in around the NBA. Um, Sting will be headlining <laughs> the halftime show for the NBA All-Star Game. Sting is a very, very weird choice. It's exactly the NBA demographic, don't you think? <laughs> yes, this is. Uh, so our Let's our writer Clark Schmutz, yeah, our writer Clark Schmutz was like, I am a surprisingly big Sting fan, and even I think that this role is too big for him. Like, well, and it's not even like we're at peak Sting right now. No, no. Maybe it's just because we lost David Bowie. We feel like we've got to appreciate <laughs> these old white guys before they're gone. I do like though that Cirque du Soleil will be performing the player intros. No, that's so weird. You don't like that at all? No, I, think I like cool. it, but I think it's a strange choice. Like, remember the Jabberwockies from a few that makes All-Star sense games? to me. That's but like Cirque du Soleil. Like, I I can imagine the dancing, some cool stuffs. That's like fourth cousins separation in dancing. It's like interpretive. Uh, <laughs> but they both perform in Vegas. No, it's that, real. So does Britney and Celine Dion, <laughs> and their vocal skills are very different. Okay. Okay. What does that even mean? What does that mean that they're they're performing the intros? Are they like creating numbers with their bodies? Is it going to be like that? Would be cool. Is it going to be like the Beijing Olympic intros with like tiny children? I don't know if they have that. They don't have that many children and not that many gulags to send them to. Um, I know Chinese China and gulag is not the same. Yeah, that's Russian. You're mixing. You're (laughs) mixing. Cultures here. Yeah, I, I'm a terrible person. Different um, dictatorships. Yes. Blake Griffin broke his hand. Everyone's talked about this also uh, already. Um, so Blake Griffin broke his hand punching the team manager in the face. They are good friends, and we're at dinner in Toronto. And apparently, we're now learning that Blake Griffin was drunk and punched him following an argument, and then followed him outside, and then punched him again. At which point, Blake Griffin broke his hand. Will be out four to six weeks. 
obviously prob- may cost the Clippers some seeding, um, which may also make them lose in the first round if they lose home I court advantage. So. Yeah, all of this would be really fun. It's fun as a I'm non-Clippers very, fan. Yeah, I'm very anti-people punching people in the face. My other question is, obviously, you're out four to six weeks because of this injury, but then shouldn't there also be some sort of team suspension for punching a team employee in the face? Like, that's against many of the rules, I would think. Or that's, maybe just one, but a pretty pretty clear no-punching-team-members-in-the-face rule. I would say so if it wasn't the Clippers organization. The I, Clippers don't have that rule on the books. Yeah, I, I they may have it on the books, but I... <laughs> I it doesn't feel like a Clipper thing to do to to slap him on the wrist. I think they'll just let it, him be out for as long as his hand precludes him from playing basketball, hmm. and they think they'll let him play. That's my prediction. Yeah, it's they're so- kind of a mess. I think, and Doc was so like subverted all of the the question. He was like, "Is this not alcohol related?" It's like, well. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just all the all the language about it, how it was a close friend, and you're like, you punch all your close friends in the face. I've never punched any of my close friends in the face. I haven't either. Have you punched <laughs> anyone in the face? I've never punched anyone in the face. I, I don't think I've even punched, like, my little brother in the face. No. I may have swung at my husband in jest, but never... In the face or <laughs> just... Uh, but you, you missed on purpose. You did... Or... Yeah, I, I've never or you like assumed he would duck out of the way by the time your fist got there. <laughs> yeah, I figured he'd be quick enough on his feet to avoid. I'm pretty small. You play a dangerous game. Yeah, he can call the cops. But See Blake, who they believe. Blake is more quick and athletic than you are. So. Well, and how much bigger is he than the, the guy he hit? Right? <laughs> yeah, he's much bigger. I mean, we've seen I the Instagram mean, photos. The guy's enormous. like five nine. Right. So Blake. Blake could have just like picked him up and and shook him by the shoulders and had the same effect as. Well, not the same effect, but as much intimidation as actually punching him in the face. It's it's strange. What is Blake yeah. doing? I uh, I mean, clearly making mistakes <laughs> is, is. I love to too say. that Lance Stevenson. When someone talked to him, he was like, <laughs> "You thought it was me, didn't you? It wasn't me, but you I, thought it was me." <laughs> I'm the kind of guy. I right. admit that people would want to punch in the face, but it wasn't this time. Yep. This time wasn't me. Yep. Yep. Um, Clippers get it together, basically, is what I'm saying. Agreed. Giannis Antetokounmpo did his entire media availability uh, Thursday, or sorry, Tuesday, with his brother Thanasis, who's in the in the D League, participating by a FaceTime, which is kind of fun. You get two interviews for the price of one. Yeah, like Giannis is fun. If the yeah, Gian, the the Antetokounmpo's are fun. They sure are. Um, That's so the, many. The letters. Morai are not fun. No, they're kind of mean and and. Assaulty when you get them together. Yeah. Where the Antetokounmpo's are like donating back to African charities yeah. and are, are, or Greek charities, or actually both, I think. Um, they're like riding bikes to practice. They're, they're, they're supportive, the best. but don't need to get all of the same tattoos. Yeah, they're, they're learning what smoothies are. They can shower at different times. <laughs> is, that, is that a thing with the Morai? Did I miss that? Not, not like showering together, but they like would take the same duration of shower in the locker like room. They would time. I don't know if it was it was twin timing, and they just knew when they were done. They're like, I have to wash the exact same surface area as you do, so we will complete our showers. But they didn't shower together. Are there dividers in locker rooms in NBA locker rooms? I don't know. You've been. You've been. I've. I've never not. been in an NBA locker room shower. They don't like let me. I can't imagine. It's just the single. Single post with the tree of, you know, that <laughs> yeah, seems, I don't know how it works. That seems very prison movie. 
Yeah, we we have to investigate. The next Salt City Hoops investigation is figuring out how the shower rooms work. Please, uh, do we want people to send us pictures? Yes, you do? absolutely. Okay. I do. Okay, <laughs> moving on. You can you can hit me up on Snapchat. <laughs> uh, Warriors beat the Spurs by infinity this week. Actually, just by thirty, but it felt like infinity. Like that, the Warriors beat the Spurs, who are thirty-eight and seven or whatever they are, uh, by thirty is absolutely insane. I'm sorry, but this feels like a long con by Greg Popovich. That he he just he tanked the game, is what you're saying. I don't think the game was as important to him as 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 it was to the Warriors. As it was to the Warriors. I mean, I, I think agree, the, but 30 points is a big difference. 30 points is a lot. And we've seen the Spurs win games where they didn't care before, right? Like, sure, they don't play Tim Duncan and Manu and, and Tony Parker, and they somehow win. But that's by... usually because there's still a talent disparity. Okay. This. This one felt like walking it up the court to me, and Greg was like, let these guys experience what the Spurs are like <laughs> in the regular season, then they'll meet then us. Then we'll crush them. And then we'll crush them. Don't you think, I mean, maybe this is a little conspiracy theory of me, but I don't think Pop wants to give too much away of how he'll ultimately play them. No, but you not playing your full game plan and getting beat by 30, like, you still, teams getting beat by 30, it doesn't happen that often in any no. circumstance. Like the Warriors played the Sixers and didn't win by thirty. Right. Anyway, I I think it's interesting. I think I'm really excited for those two to match up in the playoffs. Uh, I am. It's too. not going to be. A this sweep. is why it can't be a single elimination series, by the way. And then Woj reports that four candidates are at the top of the line for the newly opened Brooklyn Nets general manager position: Danny Ferry, Brian Colangelo, and then Denver's uh, Arturis Karnasovas. And Houston's Jerson Rosas, those both of those names. are kind of the go-to second-hand men, I guess, in each of their respective organizations. Uh, they also sound like names whoever of Game gets of hired, characters. Yeah. <laughs> whoever gets hired in Brooklyn won't have anything to do for the next four seasons because that team is screwed because they traded away all their draft right. picks. They'll literally be the shrugging emoticon guy. Yeah, you just kind of have to wait and get paid until then, and hopefully you get to keep your job for that long. Yeah. Oh, well, Not that's very life. desirable. I mean, it's a front office job. That's awesome. But that would be tough. Yeah, you'd think you could do better, though, if you were Danny Ferry and Brian Colangelo, especially. Anyway, we got to take a break. On the other side, we're going to be talking. What do we have scheduled? Oh, right. Um, we're going to talk about Shaq statue, laundry, and play some jazz music. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. Next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. His career has room to get better. Um, doesn't make a lot of sense. But Bill Simmons, I don't know if we trusted him to... To come up with a, a wise trade idea, he just wants to be part of the conversation. No, he just he just likes being thinking he's a big trade deal guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so he's like, all right, so if you, they if Jazz fans would riot if they traded Hayward, because again, Gordon Hayward is a good player. Uh, back to the drawing board, Schroeder for Rodney Hood or Dennis Schroeder for Rodney Hood is interesting. No, I don't think I do that deal. Dennis Schroeder is good, but um, so is, is Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood's been averaging eighteen points in the last. Like fifteen games, Shooter's been like a ten point a game guy. I don't know, and it's not—he's not really a start. I don't think he's a starting caliber point guard. So you're getting a backup point guard or another like second tier point guard for yeah. for arguably a sh- starting shooting guard. Yeah, and then so now other fans uh, suggested Alec Burks for Dennis Schroeder, and I don't think the Hawks do that. 
And I'm not sure that like the Jazz do either, because then you have two really young point guards right. who have to like compete super long term for minutes. Like, but then we'd have another German to go with Tibor Price, Price <laughs> to go with our our pair theory. That's right. We forgot about we forgot about Tibor earlier. All right, we so need Jazz German. need to acquire a German, Dennis Schroeder, and Tiago Splitter. Tiago Splitter for Raúl mm-hmm. and uh, Joffrey Laverne for mm-hmm. for Rudy Gobert. I just need I need the parody, you know. Yeah, I mean now we have like eighteen players on our roster, but that's that's fine. But then we, but then we can say we have two of each. <laughs> yes, and, and it having pairs of everything is important. <laughs> um, your husband said that you didn't slap him, or or that you slapped him for reals. That you're you were exaggerating about how in jest this was. And I said, open palm, you can't charge me. That's the law. That doesn't <laughs> seem like the law. I don't. I don't remember that in my. We'll see what happens when, when lawyers get involved. Yeah. <laughs> Who's, uh, is he going to press charges? If he presses charges, what happens? Uh, I might be living at at KSL in the KSL <laughs> building for a while. There's a second floor conference room. There's a lock on the, that door. I'll go sleep in there. We're asked by Adam Gray, CPA. Bill Simmons has lost his mind. The Jazz would never do this, right? Yes, Mr. Adam Gray, the Jazz would never do this trade. The, the Bill Simmons trade we, we read earlier. We probably shouldn't give any credence to Bill Simmons' uh, fodder, right? Right. It's fun. It's fun. But but, but Bill, come yeah. on. Come on, Bill. Agreed. If you want to listen to more in-depth conversation about this Jeff Teague idea and trading for him and what Atlanta would accept and what the Jazz would be willing to give up, that's the entire first hour of the show. We're going to have that early, or later on on SaltCityHoops.com for you to download and listen as a podcast. Of course, we're, the show is also on iTunes and Stitcher, so you can listen to it as well from there. We're out. This is the thanks end of the show. Me. Thanks Yeah, thanks for being on great. the show. It's been great. Uh, you've been listening to the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700.